Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Body Rappers, Angela Luzio is delighted to sponsor this episode of Conversations on Dance. Body Rappers, Angela Luzio is known for its fine, total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer with New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck Designs for Premiere. Tyler's beautiful, original designs fit perfectly, move well with the body, won't ride up in the back, and are ideal for class, rehearsal, and performance. Body Rappers makes additional apparel for all disciplines and significant to dance teachers this time of year. Body Rappers Performance Wear Remix for competition and recital consisting of various components that can be mixed and matched to create a unique costume you won't see anywhere else, like the one featured in Body Rappers' ad. You may view all the products at bodywrappers.com or to purchase Body Rappers performance wear remix items, go to your favorite local dance retailer shop or online store. To view and buy the entire collection of Tyler Peck designs, go to dancewearcorner.com. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Hello, Rebecca. Michael! We are here. We're live together. In New York together. So fun. Reunited. For a short day. It feels so good. <laughs> it does um, feel good. So we have, this is our last episode before we go back into um, our usual content of having guests on the show. So this is your, uh, a second time of us um, speaking our minds on issues in the Valley world today with, with no guests. But um I think a good place to start is to bring up responses we've had to the last episode. Uh, we were both a little surprised to get uh, a certain level of blowback from people um, who just had some differing opinions about Misty. And one person said, obviously, we all have our preferences when it comes to dancers, but why is it not okay to not like Misty Copeland? They also said, my main point of contention is that is the painting of those who are critical of her dancing as trolls unknowledgeable of dance or only valuing technique over artistry. I think there's a few points to unpack there. Um, first of all, the first thing that we want to, well, generally what we'd like to say is that we really appreciate people writing and everyone was very kind, even if they had some things to say that right. were... Right. The reason we're bringing this up is because I thought this was a really 
well-worded response. It's on our website, so if you want to read the whole thing. Yeah, it's on um, a comment on our website, and it's from dedicated listener, so we appreciate you being a dedicated listener. But um, since we did like this response, we felt it was the most – we got one similar, and it was one that was laid out um, in a way that we felt like was great to discuss. Firstly, I think uh, we need to clarify that certainly – Criticism is something that should always be welcomed. And if we came across as thinking, as uh, portraying that not to be our feelings, then uh, we misspoke. But definitely, uh, there's a huge distinction between trolling someone and criticizing them. If you look at the uh, tweet that inspired the whole um, debacle with Misty and then thus inspired our episode... uh, the person says, quote, this is why at Misty On Point is the worst, in all caps, and why it's an embarrassment to ABT to even have her on the roster, much less as a principal. That is language that is pretty, you know, abhorrent. What does that do? What does that tell us about your feelings about Misty? Nothing other than you're kind of a hateful person. But if you say that, uh, you know, her dancing doesn't speak to you, you feel like her character arc was not interesting, you don't like her porta bra, things of that nature. Or, as this dedicated listener wrote, uh, she compl- or they complained about uh, Misty getting two swan links, maybe they would prefer to see other dancers. Those are all valid things. And if you, you're right that if you'd cut out that conversation, then you're cheapening Alright. Neil, my husband Neil always says, if everything's good, then nothing's good. <laughs> so it, yeah, if you're meant to just swallow it and be like, all oh, principles are great. It's an ABT, we love good bow, you know, then right. you're cheapening when you see something truly great. Um, and I think that that's a, a dumb thing to do. Well, and I think no one's suggesting with this conversation that ballet is no longer subjective. That's the most important mm-hmm. element to the art form is that um, everybody has their own taste level. Everybody mm-hmm. likes one thing, you know, some people like one thing, other people like another. And so to answer the question or to talk about why is it not okay to not like Misty Copeland? Of course it's okay to not like her. It's not okay to troll her. That was our, right. our main point. Our main point. And just that she <clears throat> responded eloquently using her, um, platform that she does in fact have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also... We're coming at this situation from a more personal point of view, which I think we'd like to also point out and share. Um, Everybody sees Misty up on stage and sees her as um, maybe a celebrity. Uh, When we first approached her agent, when we were just starting this podcast, right towards the beginning, we were no one, no one knew what we were doing. And the fact that she took time to sit and talk with us, I mean, she gets asked to do interviews by some of the biggest news outlets in the country. But because she knew we were dancers, she wanted to sit down and talk to us and she was not rushed. She gave us so much time. There was, Mm -hmm. it was, she was just so kind and loving to us. And we, you know, that's our only interaction that we've Mm -hmm. had with her so far. We hope to have more with her in the future, but that's also something that makes us feel a little more personal. And any personal experiences color, the way you perceive art. Definitely. If you like, um, a person that you're more likely to like their dancing. I mean, but I love the Suzanne Farrell. She always says, how you dance is who you are. So I think they go back and forth. If you know a person and you see, and you like that person, you see that in their dancing. Right. And their personality and, and the thing that draw, draws you to them <clears throat> to begin with. So I think that the 
point of the conversation about this particular tweet was really more about the way people, I think, the way ballet fans sometimes can behave online and that that's just not um, productive conversation. So, uh, to the point that Misty didn't execute the fuertes and several people said she is notorious for not being able to execute them. Right. And then I had I had brought up that I thought Macarva maybe couldn't do them. But luckily we have our trusty fact checker, Alistair McCauley, um, <laughs> who's always the best at uh, writing us after he listens to the episodes. And he gave us a little history lesson. So Macarva did do the 32 fuetes, although uh, it was the in the more traditional way, uh, bringing the leg low and then high to the side before coming in. And it was maybe not as enjoyed in the West. But nonetheless, she did them. The people who were perhaps, as he says, the most famous non-fuetteers <laughs> were Anna Pavlova, whom uh, Chiquetti advised not to, quote, spoil her beautiful style with that acrobatic stunt. Uh, Danilova, who never did them. And uh, Maya Pasitskaya, who obviously was a spitfire technician, but she just didn't do them. She just preferred to do a series of really fast, um, as Alistair PKs. says, demonic PK turns. Yes, I love that. Um, Which is so So there you go. That guy, that's like, that's not very far outside of recent ballet memory. Right. And she is an icon and right. a legend. Right. And I've never heard anyone smear her name because she wasn't right. doing the fuetes. Yeah. Um, and Alistair also brings up that Fontaine, while she did the fuetes, <clears throat> was uh, not particularly strong at them. And then around age 52, decided to dispense of them. You have examples of women that didn't do them. And so saying that it's true to the original form and that, you know, it was done in the 19th century, I guess it certainly was. But... Mm -hmm. Personally, I think that people get very married to ideas that um, maybe were not really there to begin with. Right. I mean, how weird would it be for you to see Serenade with the hair up the entire ballet? There you go, yeah. And that was done re really very late in, we would in be his like, life. Throwing and if you were like, things that's on the not, stage. <laughs> yeah, if you were like, that's not right, that's wrong, that's, right. that's, this is an iconic moment, and everyone knows that that's right. And that's valid, but, and yeah. Um, That's a great point to make. So uh, another point Alistair makes uh, that I love is that what we now refer to as Black Swan Parada was danced in a scarlet tutu up in, at least through the 40s when Danilova was um, wearing one. I love so that. So there you go. Another thing. thing. It's like the iconic white swan, black swan. Well, it wasn't always like that. It was right. Odette Odile, but mm -hmm. it didn't have to be, you know, such polar opposites in that right. way. Absolutely. And I just think, too, I hope that we can start moving away from that um, feeling that all these specific tricks have to be accomplished in order for you to be a principal dancer. Like, you have to be able to t check all these boxes. And I just think that that's hopefully not the way we're mm -hmm. going to be anymore in our art form and we can find mm -hmm. other special qualities and dancers. If, if you can illuminate the role in a, in a somewhat interesting or different way that's more important to me and again mm -hmm. we caution that these are our opinions it's right. our podcast yeah <laughs> we're these are our opinions you know we're not stating this as, as some sort of um method by which everyone is supposed to 
right. agree or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I think that it would be a shame to lose certain artists because they couldn't do the, this is my cat, <laughs> his name is Cat, and he's he wants he attention to me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, if you thought, you know, Suzanne Farrell had a bad knee and couldn't jump for the, for the, towards the end of her career, balancing change certain ballets uh, so that she could still do them. I'm sure some people found fault in that, too, yeah. right? That they would it rather be seen other people. It was not uncontroversial. Right, exactly. Um, but I personally am interested in seeing what people can do outside of those parameters. Right. So... That's that. Well, and we really do appreciate everybody who got in touch with us. Mm -hmm. We encourage you to do so. And so we appreciate it. And we also got some people asking for some other really interesting topics that we will tackle in the future. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about, we have San Francisco Ballet coming up. Um, So we'll be covering that um, extensively in the upcoming months. So after that, we will definitely keep all of those requests in mind. So keep them coming. We appreciate it. So I think uh, now we're going to segue into talking about a blog post from a friend of ours, Barry Corollis. His blog is called Dancing Off Stage, and he recently wrote an article called The Fading Bitterness of Retired Dancers that explores uh, whether or not dancers are just inherently negative people. And uh, if that's something we need to move away from. And I do think the dancers, because uh, self-criticism is an important part of the way we improve, um, it can certainly skew towards being too negative. Right. And yes, we all deal with that. But I also think that it's uh, now become very fashionable in our society to prize uh positive emotions overall mm-hmm. it goes kind of a little bit with what i was saying you know if everything's good then nothing's good right because if you don't have any sort of frame of reference mm-hmm. if you didn't dislike this moment or feel upset at this time then when you actually have your uh positive moment then i don't think you have anything to weigh it against it it's just like this is good and everything's good and this you know <laughs> it all just bleeds together right but i think that being dissatisfied as a dancer, at least in my experience, when you did achieve something that was great afterwards, um, if I felt like it always made it better. Right. Well, and I think there's... Um, it's inherently negative in a lot of ways because there are there's that element of self-doubt, self-hatred maybe that comes mm-hmm. with being a dancer. We were talking with um, Shelby Williams, who is the mind behind um, Biscuit Ballerina. We're going to be publishing her episode next week. And she was talking about some of the struggles she went through um, as a student, um, you know, with her technique and feeling really insecure about it. And I think that as a dancer, you're always a student, essentially, or you're always treated as a student. You're always given... That's a different podcast. (laughs) You're always given... um, feedback constantly and it's very rarely the positive one because there's not necessarily time for that so it's constantly be here do this this needs work that sort of thing and it needs to be fixed so quickly in order to keep up and there's always someone better than you and there's always someone nipping at your heels and there's this constant struggle and a push and pull to keep yourself afloat especially in a big organization that's one thing 
that Barry talks about in this um, article is talk, Dancing with PMB, that it's a large organization, there's a lot of dancers, there's a lot of demand, and how do you handle that? Mm-hmm. I Yeah, I just don't think that um, it's negative to see what can be... It depends, you know, to, to being able to see what needs improvement and then focusing on that is one thing. And, but I think it's positive, a positive thing to do to admit these flaws or admit that you're not being treated the way you want in your career and then seek the answer. Like if I had just thought that everything was hunky dory my whole career, I would, I would have missed out on huge opportunities because being dissatisfied led me to analyze the situations and figure out a way around it. Okay, I didn't get this part I wanted to do. How can I figure out the right way to get into the room Mm -hmm. and then once in the room, prove myself and then eventually make this happen? If I had just been like, well, I'm just so blessed that I'm even in a ballet company. You know, that sort of behavior. Not that you never didn't feel blessed to have the job that you wanted. That was was always there, that feeling. Mm -hmm. But there's I think a negativity, want, want for more. Yeah. Negativity only gets to be problematic when it really is holding you back. If you can harness it for good, then I think that's fine. But I don't... I do think that I kind of cringe at the idea that we're meant to just uh, enjoy everything always. Even... That's just not possible. I mean, I remember at points where we were dancing great things and you're so tired. Yeah. And... I would just be like, enjoy this, please. But like, right. but you're also just you like, can, oh, everything but hurts. Yeah. I mean, you do as much as you can, but that's all you can do is as right. much as you can. Right. <laughs> right. And I think like one thing that he comments in here is, you know, he's talking about how that bitterness sort of fades with time. Mm-hmm. And with after retirement, you look back on all of those little things. And I have to say, like, I remember being on stage in moments, being like that exhausted or whatever was going on, feeling negative and thinking someday you're going to wish this, you're going to miss this moment. Mm -hmm. You're going to wish that it was there again. So I think that we are aware of the fact that it is fleeting, but it's Mm -hmm. true that, you know, those are the moments you ache for again. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that since I've retired a year ago today, Today? Yes. Lucky. Congratulations. <laughs> Scary how time How are you goes feeling by. one year later? <laughs> I don't know. Weird. I don't know. <laughs> Still funny. Weird. Yeah. We um, talked about that plenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We need to get uh, But it does kind of acquire like a veneer of like everything was beautiful. But that's fine. I think that's how it should be. Like, you know, I don't want to look back and be like... Remember that time you weren't cast and it was annoying? No, I exactly what I was saying before. I go, remember that time you worked your ass off and got what you wanted, and then it was even better than you, if go. it had just been handed to you. Yeah. You know, now that I'm done, and I do have those fleeting moments of like, oh, I just wish I could do this ballet again. How mm-hmm. wonderful. But it's not just that I wish I could do the ballet again. It's I want that exact moment right, recaptured. Back. right. Because how would it feel now? Terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, it's just the whole thing. It's the people and the time and your life. and It's like longing for any memory. Seeing any photo of anything and you you want to go back to that moment in time. Trying to recreate anything inevitably just 
dooms you to a mediocre time. <laughs> right. And it's, you know, it's, there's that time of transition where it's harder to see that because it's, your future is so unsure mm-hmm. of what you're going, going to be doing. I'm sure there's going to be times that we look back on this time in our life and we long for that too. The, <laughs> I don't know about that girl. Moment of excitement that you don't know what's happening. <laughs> Michael's giving me such a look. Wait, it's, it's, it's not a, excitement. It's my uh, BuzzFeed look. <laughs> it's we your BuzzFeed that. look. Oh, we should post that. Yeah. Um, this is... Uh, no, but I mean, there is like the uncertainty is maybe I'll miss those like two months when I moved to New York where I was just like, give yourself some some time. (laughs) Don't even think about anything. Don't worry about the future. But the actual future afterwards was, it's been really trying. It's difficult. We struggled. It's really, (laughs) it's hard. It's very hard. But then, you know, now, even just within the past month, I feel like things have kind of, uh, become a more, I've had, I have a more cohesive life plan. Well, so that you have feels to adjust good. to your new schedule. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Is adjusting to that. But just like having like this project and then I'm going to do this and we have conversations on dance and I have, my teaching is coming together more, mm-hmm. but it was so scary when I thought of, um, the, you know, go back, going back to the first times I was really teaching or the mm-hmm. first time I taught young kids. I mean, the first right. time I had to teach seven-year-olds, I was like You don't feel comfortable panicking. doing. Yeah, that's why. Um, but this kind of ties into, I guess, a little bit, the ne- I wouldn't say, again, I just don't feel like it's negativity. It's, uh, we're hard on ourselves. So it's perfectionism, but I think that actually it can be a great trait, of mm-hmm. course, while you're a dancer, but it really comes into everything. Uh, and it's true when people say dancers can do anything because... We just want to be best at everything. I know. Like, it's so just hard. any job, any stupid job I ever have to do, I'm just like, I still am competitive with myself right. and I'm going to try and do it the best I can. Like, And then there goes four hours that you didn't get paid for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just it's like, oh! <laughs> it's true. You may have I, guilt complexes about this. Like, I know, I can't just phone it in. But I've it's been, not even phoning it in. It's I've, like, I can't just, like... Right. Do the job and move on yeah. and go do something else. I've been else. trying to find time uh, to do some more, like really immerse myself in better research about classes that I like, you know, like mm-hmm. go watch more videos, go see Stanley Williams at the library, go do whatever, yeah. you know, read right. Suki's book, Balancing Book. But that's book. very but that's, useful time that yeah, you're in your course. new career. But I feel super guilty because I haven't been able to put the nose to the grindstone the way that I want. Right. But it's like, man, that's still time I'm not getting paid or, right. you know, who's right. paying who's paying me to read Suki's book? I wish that I could. <laughs> um, but but that's, gonna, but that's an investment in your future. Yeah. Um, no, I will do it. Suki, I'll read your book, I promise, eventually. <laughs> uh, it's really dense. I have Is it? Yeah. It's, I mean, I'll Wait, you're not talking out. about the ballet technique one. Yeah, it's this huge. One? That one. Look, oh, open it up. Yeah, I have this one. I love this one. I use it more as a resource. I should yeah. read the whole thing. But I, yeah. I always, like, but, pull it like, out. But, look at this. It's so crazy. I, mean, I love the, the po- pictures. I bring this into my students. This is especially useful for me because I teach a lot of point. And, of course, I've never been on point. But now they had balancing, so it's okay. Oh, yeah. and um, but it's so helpful. It's so specific. Um, and really, I mean, Ugh, the so language pretty. that she used is very clear. Uh, it's great for giving me little inspirations for combinations. Um, so... I'll peek in there every once in a while, but I really want to like 
have like a day where I sit day. down and I write out yeah. everything that I want to, to consume from it. Can you type it up and send it to me? <laughs> no, I, you know, we, I'm writing it out because science shows you. Okay. that it's not can the same. Can you scan it then? I could scan it. Your yeah. handwriting is nice. I could read it. You can read it. It's not. <laughs> I'm cheating off you for scratch. my homework. <laughs> <laughs> but oh I was thinking about being a dancer um, <laughs> this past few days. Uh, I did. I've worked as a production assistant on previous podcast guests Ezra Horowitz's uh, promotional video for the upcoming stage musical Moulin Rouge. So great. So it was a great shoot and it was my, my husband Neil produces these videos with Ezra and so they've done a lot together and I uh, have never seen it in action and it happened to be that the schools that I teach at were on spring break. So I thought I would help and go be a PA. PA's job is basically to kind of ensure that this, the shoot goes as smoothly as possible at the lowest level. Right. Like to make sure that, you know, the food is always there, that the talent's (laughs) taken care of, that, um, I can like run out and do an errand, Mm -hmm. uh, if, something is last You're like doing the things that no one's even thinking they need. To free up the minds that are actually needed, like Ezra and Neil. Right. Um, But there were three other PAs on this shoot and I never had a moment to breathe and I would just catch them like chilling. (laughs) But this is what they do with their lives. Sure, sure, sure. Like this is, it's an important, like a low, it's like, not not an apprentice type thing, but it's something they do because you're you're, you're acquiring... You know, experience. experience on set, but sure. like they would just be chilling and catering. I was like, "What?" Uh, I mean, yeah. the, the first day you'll see in, in the music video, which eventually I'm sure we'll post on our social yeah. media. Yeah. Um, there is there is a scene featuring rose petals, and they fly and blah blah blah. But the first day, so we had to take because it was cheaper. <laughs> um, they we bought rose petals in bulk, and you have to individually. Um, take them from a pack that's kind of glued together and then tear them up into little individual petals. Right. But I spent like five hours doing that. Sure. And the other PAs were just chilling. They were so happy to have you on that show. Just eating bagels. Oh, and then I had one fierce moment though where uh, like they like every time that I would come around they would kind of perk up because they knew they felt like I was in charge. (laughs) And Did you become the boss? Yeah, I was like it was like uh, Lindsay Lohan in Mean Girls. It's like, yes. am I the new Queen Bee? Like, <laughs> so that was fun. I was principal PA. It's the only awesome. time I've ever been a principal, but it still Work. counts. That's not true. On stage, you have been. That's true. I did just see myself and Heathscape, and I looked good. You did look good. Of course you did. <laughs> I was like, I oh. Go, I go I was... back and forth. Like, sometimes I see video, like, when I first retired, and I wanted, like, immediately needed, like, some sort of. Yeah. visual confirmation that I was mattered. Right. Um, and I watched a few things and I was like, I looked great. I'm proud of what I did. Good for me. And then last month or something, I was looking through a different video and I, and then I saw myself in a ballet that I thought I was good and I was like, that was disgusting. Wait, this is really great because this is the text conversation we were having because I'm working on a project where I was going back to, I don't know, what was that video like? 2010, maybe? Ballet Imperial. Ballet Imperial. It was 20, uh, 2011. 2011. 2012. 11-12. It was the Paris was 11. It was when I did Tall Girls. So, okay. 2012. January so 2012. 2012. You guys. 
I'm so glad my students can't see me not using my A-Poma at all. Like, I was watching it going, was my neck thrown out at this time? Like, I looked like I was not was bending. I was not, that was the source when my neck was blown out. But, like, maybe it was at that time. I don't know. But I saved that video on purpose. Like, I must have thought it was a good right. video. That's what's scary, too. But so this, so the point of this conversation is it led us to contemplate how this changes being a teacher changes the way we're looking back right. on our own dancing that now we're analyzing ballet in a different direction from a different point of view and we're wanting more i wish that i had taught i, I just think it's so helpful i agree i think i would be a better dancer now for sure if based on my teaching experiences when i taught a little bit over the summers i would notice when i came back i had more like I had different things to think about. Like Your my corrections were like in ways. my head. Yeah. yeah. And then I would, but I would also think of something that I had given my kids corrections on. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing them, I'd be like, Oh, the, a way to explain it is this way. Like right. as I put it in my body. And then that's another thing that scares me too, is as ballet is fading from my body and my inability to do that's it right gotta, now. I do my bar every day. You got to do your bar. I, but it's not even that. It's like, I know, Even stuff in center, it's like I haven't jumped in so long at this point. I did Alicicon turns today for my private. I mean, oh, not real Alicicon turns, but 45. I had to. Yeah, I, had, I kept them low, but okay. it was like, ooh, that was fun. It was fun. See, <laughs> but then like we talked about last week, then or the other week, that mm-hmm. then it's you're doing it because it's fun and it's right. something you want to be doing instead of just like mm-hmm. today I have to get up and do, I do that. Think my body's maybe feeling better. And that I could just like rent a studio and dance around at some point Aww, and have fun. That'd be fun. fun. You can come down to Florida and do that with me. Yeah. Yay! Well, Rebecca and I, we do want to make a comeback. This is our dream retirement. We're going to have a real retirement show, but I, who knows what school will have us for it. Please hire us. <laughs> our, our email address is info at conversationsondancepod.com. I'm mm. not kidding. And uh, what we, we now really know how to use our apoma now we that we would, teach. We would like to do um, Balanchine's nut paw for a gig, and so then we'll, we'll really hang the toe shoes up after that. Yeah, like I think we I would just like want, to get to that point. You know, have to be with Balanchine and Tchaikovsky one more time, and yeah. to be with you would just be really it's beautiful. Really Maybe we we're skip gonna... my variation. <laughs> Sometimes we don't have crazy. to. Yeah, like no, the, we're like, prob- our luck. We're going to end up at a school that makes us do the, the whole the man variation yeah. too. <laughs> I choreographed for Neil this year. Okay, well, it, I, I have an, an easy one. If I had a break for you to do that, because that's the thing, it's really hard when they put the sugar plum fairy variation from Valentine's version in the middle. Yeah, like of the paw. But because the paw is that's what hard. I couldn't do. I, it's so hard. Just the two are hard. Yeah, and it's just like. No, I think you're already tired after the variation at the beginning of the act. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's real. But. Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> That's not true. I did do it at the rock school. Oh, right. I should bring a video back of that. I oh, have it. you have it? Yes. Oh. Well, I think that that about wraps it up for this week. Mm-hmm. We're back to our interviews next week with Biscuit Ballerina, which is a really fun interview. You guys will enjoy And then after that, it'll be week after week of um, one of the many incredible artists involved with San Francisco Ballet's upcoming Unbound Festival. Yeah, it's so it's a lot so... to look forward to. Yeah, we're really excited doing our prep work now. So stay tuned to our social media and subscribe on iTunes. That really helps us a lot. So if you can do that, then you'll know when a new episode comes out and you will be up to date on COD. So thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week. To make sure you don't miss 
a moment from San Francisco, follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to Conversations on Dance via iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You won't want to miss this. Thank you for joining us today and we'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.